Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to the Out to Be podcast. I am your host, Katie Zaccardi, and if you are new here, thank you for tuning in and welcome. This is the place where we talk all about mental health and wellness in the music industry. Today's episode is with my guest, Dylan Dunlap. Dylan is an internationally recognized singer-songwriter, producer, and multi-instrumentalist. He is also someone who struggles with mental illness, like so many of us do. If you are a long-time listener, and by long-time, I mean over the past 19 weeks, because it's only been out for 19 weeks, but if you are a long-time listener, then you know that all of my podcast episodes are very conversational. I make that a point, but this episode in particular was really fun because it really was just a conversation about Dylan, his life, what he's learned, and sharing wisdom on that. So... I know you're going to love this episode. I'm not going to say much more about it. Oh, I will say though, (laughs) Dylan has, uh, don't you love how I don't really plan out what I'm going to say? I just start talking. That makes the best podcast. Dylan has a single coming out this Friday, July 12th. So if you are listening in real time, then the single is coming out in two days. If you were listening delayed, then the single is already out. So you can keep up to date with Dylan by following him at I am Dylan Dunlap or going to his website, which is IamDylanDunlap.com to make sure that you hear his single, which is called Here For Me, that comes out July 12th. Don't miss it. It's definitely going to be a good one. Now, before we hop into today's episode, I want to mention that starting on Monday, July 15th, 2019, sorry if you're listening to this later, but starting Monday, July 15th, 2019, I am doing a time management free challenge. It's a five-day challenge focused all around time management. Something I hear all the time from women in music is that they just don't have enough time to reach their goals. Or even if they do think they have enough time, they don't know how to utilize that time to maximize efficiency and maximize their own energy. So that's why I decided to run this five-day time management free challenge because Time is a tool that we can use to our benefit. It's not something we should get stressed out about. And it's definitely not something that should hold us back from making moves in our career and staying well and stress-free while we're doing it. So in this challenge, you will learn how to reset your mindset around time and energy, how to effectively set goals and prioritize tasks. You will learn the myths around time management and what not to do. You'll learn how to organize your schedule in a way that helps you get more done in less time and how to implement these time management and self-care habits into a daily routine to help you create more space in your life to do the things that you love. So if you're ready to make moves in your career, if you're ready to do it without all the stress that usually comes along with it, then the first step is mastering your time. Join my time management free challenge. In order to join, you can head to bit.ly slash out to be challenge. The link is also going to be in the description of this episode. So you can just click on that or you can head to my Instagram at Katie Zuccardi and it's the link in my bio. I can't wait to get started next Monday. I hope to see you there. And without any further ado, let's hop into today's episode with Dylan Dunlap. Hey Dylan and welcome to the out to be podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. We're going to talk all about your journey and like, I don't even want to give too much away at the beginning because I think you have such a cool story and I just want to hear it straight from you. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to talk all about your journey with mental health and music. Let's start from the beginning. Where did you grow up? What was childhood like? When did you get into music? Tell me all the things. Oh gosh. I am from Studio City, California. It's in the Valley. I'm sure you've heard about it in many songs and <laughs> it's, uh, it's great. Honestly, I have a love-hate relationship with it. But I have, you know, you always have to respect where you're from. And uh, I grew up 
just traveling all throughout the valley as my parents got divorced. So I just went from house to house and started playing piano as a form of therapy. I hid behind the piano uh, my entire childhood. So I would say from six years old to my God, like 16 or 17, I would just make instrumental compositions. I would just play the piano. I bought Pro Tools. As a kid, I just loved the idea of not being able to, not needing to use my words and just being able to create a piece of art that can speak for itself. And uh, my dad was a film composer, so I always had certain equipment around me to be able to use, and it was very inspiring. That's so cool. I was gonna ask if you like <clears throat> took lessons or anything, but if your dad was a composer, then I imagine you just had like easy access to easily learning all this stuff and probably just a talent ingrained in you from the beginning. <laughs> just the equipment. I, uh, I really believed in teaching myself though. And by doing that, you do it the unorthodox way and basically just mess up for years until you, yeah. until things <laughs> sound good, right? Totally, but, totally. Um, yeah, and then obviously, you know, I took a couple semesters at Berkeley College of Music in Boston. I was able to realize, oh, there are terms for what I'm doing. There's, yeah. There's a, it's a language. Music is a language. You can talk Roman numerals with people and they understand what you're saying. And uh, that opened my mind to so many different things. Yeah, that's so interesting. I love that too. I've always been the kind of person who like, I never wanted to start with classical music lessons or anything like that. I was like, I just want to mess around and play like pop stuff or just play whatever I feel like it. I think that's one of the best ways to learn because you can really be inventive through that instead of just like playing what's on the sheet and not really creating, uh, especially for songwriters. That creativity is so important. So when did your struggle with mental health begin? I want to say 11 to 12 years old. I just started realizing certain quirks I was doing in middle school. And uh, I felt insecure about opening up as my dad was not a fan of showing emotion at all. And so I, I, you know, I would open up to my mom. And unfortunately, we had to secretly kind of tiptoe around and try and figure this out because, uh, you know, we didn't want to disappoint him or upset him in any way. And, uh, you know, my mom and I might have rushed that process a little bit, but we, you know, we saw a couple doctors and, you know, found a couple diagnoses along the way and started medication and all these things. But I do think it's an important thing to realize that you can get misdiagnosed if you don't take enough time. Uh, medication works for so many people and it also really doesn't for others. And uh, like I said, I just feel like I was rushed into that situation as a kid and I really wasn't able to cope with what obsessive compulsive disorder could be truly and could mean for the rest of my life and how I would cope with that as well as depression and anxiety. All of these disorders ended up falling under the term, the spectrum, the autistic spectrum. And, uh, I, I mean, God, I found that out two years ago. So I would say as a preteen, all of that happened at once and it was very, uh, overwhelming to try and try and understand. You know, I'm thankful that I took the years growing up and now I'm in my 20s to be able to do my own research and find the help I need as an adult because there's nothing wrong with that. That's the most important thing, right? As an adult, to not feel any signs of weakness, to ask for help. I mean, it doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, just being willing to learn and, and being open to trying new things out to just help your brain and help you get through today. Uh, yeah. That's been my, yeah, that's been my main priority as an adult. So what was it like as a kid when you're kind of going through this thing, you have to keep it a secret and you don't actually know 
what's wrong with you. And I say that lightly because it's not to say that anything was wrong with you, but you are trying to get some answers and get some help and <clears throat> you're struggling with that. So what was it like to, to deal with that as a, as a young child? I mean, that's exactly what it feels like, right? It feels like something is wrong with you. I'm now realizing that's, that's okay. It's okay to go through the motions of self-deprecation. It's, it's inevitable when it comes to finding out something that either you believe is a chemical imbalance or you believe trauma kind of enhanced. Um, it was really hard. I was already so antisocial in school. I was bullied. I, I was in musicals and that was considered gay to a lot of men i don't even know why i just said men to a lot of people right? throwback to like i don't know well, you're in your 20s so we're probably like from the same generation of like everyone <laughs> did musical theater but yet if you did musical theater it was like that's super gay it's just like come on you guys yeah that word was thrown around i mean you so you get it so many yeah. words were thrown around mm -hmm. like 10 10 12 years ago and uh it takes a toll on you it really does yeah yeah. And, and you're just uh, like, I'm just trying to have fun as a child and you are labeling me and mislabeling me. And it's so super frustrating. To be fair, I'm a terrible actor and I'm so thankful I did not continue plays and musicals. But yeah, isn't that crazy that there was just a totally different time to be alive? Yeah. And I'm with you on that. I had to come to the realization that I as well, am a terrible actor and would not have a life in musical theater, but we can dream, right? When we're kids. <laughs> yeah. As, as long as you had fun, that's all I care about. Exactly. Yeah. And when you're having that extra stress put on you by other people who are just being judgmental for no reason, like no kid needs that. And that just adds extra stuff to the pot when you're already dealing with a lot. Yeah. It's a great lesson to learn how to love yourself as cheesy as that sounds. It's uh. I mean, you can't really rely on anybody and not in a pessimistic way at all. I consider myself a huge optimist. Um, I'm just trying to learn how to be a realist more. I, I really think there's beauty to, to trusting yourself and relying on yourself and knowing that you are capable and you're worth so much more than, let's say, others treat you or even you treat yourself sometimes. Yeah. So when did you finally start getting real answers that you could use to cope with and move forward and, and use to basically empower yourself? Two years ago. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, like I said, the environment that, that my dad created was so unwelcoming. He, for example, you know, a, a friend of mine took her own life in high school. And my dad was the kind of person that would just be fueled with anger because of that, right? Because there are people in the world you can't change how they feel. There are people that, that consider that so selfish that it's the worst thing in the world. And how dare they, right? How do they do that to their family? And so I would hear that at the same time as struggling harder than I've ever struggled with depression. And I would just feel so, so misunderstood. And that's one example of 10 that I could tell you that led into me becoming an adult, going to college, not really understanding how to feel because I feel like I'm not allowed to. And like I said, two years ago, I don't know what happened. It just snapped. I realized uh, there's nothing wrong with this. I need to do research. And I also shouldn't self-diagnose because I'm not a medically trained professional. I don't know these things, but there are so many people out there that are willing to help and there's nothing wrong with therapy. There doesn't need to be a negative connotation surrounding the idea of speaking for 45 minutes straight. <laughs> uh, it helps so many people. So I just started getting more open-minded to um, when I heard that term, the autistic spectrum, and I heard that, I mean, there are, there's a stigma surrounding that. Uh, growing up, 
I used to think it was a visible disorder. I used to think you could point autism out and uh, I was completely wrong. And I think a lot of us were, and I love where things are going for all of us because we're becoming way more open-minded to accepting so many different things. And um, I mean, the truth is all conditions, all mental health conditions are not visible. They're not. And we say this every time something terrible happens with somebody in the spotlight or whatever we, we say like, Oh, I had no idea. And that's kind of what I feel like my purpose is now is to one, have absolutely no shame in learning as an adult and two, having absolutely no shame in, in vocalizing it. And so when I'm on a stage with my shows or speaking at high schools without any instruments, I try and say this so many times. I, one, I have no idea what I'm doing <laughs> Two, That's okay. I'm, I'm willing to learn. And that's what makes this great. That's what makes me way more mature than I was uh, just a couple years ago. And I think it, growth is so, so important. Yeah. And I mean, really, do any of us know what we're doing? Not really. <laughs> we're all just learning <laughs> our whole lives. So I love that. <laughs> um, I want to dive deeper too into your relationship with your dad and how that has impacted how outspoken you are now about <clears throat> being honest about your emotions, talking about it if you need to, whatever that may be, whether it's with friends or outwardly or just in a therapist's office. So with your dad, was that something that you you knew was happening when it was happening or only now in retrospect as you started getting clear diagnoses and clear coping mechanisms that you were able to look back upon and realize what was happening when you were a kid and how you want to change that pattern? Exactly that. I think... Uh... I mean, you have no idea to understand what's going on as a kid in the moment. Uh, yeah. It was it was very emotionally abusive. I mean, I was struggling so much one night, and my dad took me to see a movie. It was uh, The American with George Clooney. I don't even remember what year that was. And we were in the back of the theater, and he was literally just screaming <laughs> in the back of the theater because I was having a rough day, and I and I didn't know how to vocalize it. That's a thing. Is that's the hardest. Um, part of this is that sometimes you can't really find the words to describe what is going on. All of us can relate on that. I mean, that's why I love songwriting is I can really carefully take my time and figure out what I want to say. But in the moment when you're having a conversation with somebody, it can feel impossible. And it can absolutely feel impossible with somebody that does not support talking about it at all. So in the moment, uh, I didn't know that was not okay. I actually looked up to him so much. He, it's unfortunate. He, he just happens to be the most talented guitar player and, and such a, such a phenomenal film composer to the point where he was my Jesus growing up and I worshiped him. So I always convinced myself, Oh, this is fine because I just want to be just like him. And uh, I was really blinded by that. And I also don't regret that because he is the reason why I started to teach myself. He's the reason why I raised myself at a very young age mentally because of all that. And I really don't believe in resentment. I don't believe in hatred. I do believe in, in forgiveness within yourself, as in like not telling the person you forgive them. Because in my case, he, he's not around. He took off uh, seven years ago, six years ago. And there's nothing you can do about that. But you can still forgive people and you can still grow. I choose not to even think about my trauma right now. I choose to actually think about, yeah, that's, it's a part of me, but 
the way I choose to go out right now, let's say go to Starbucks and talk to a barista and ask how their day is doing instead of be a total dick about <laughs> how bad my day is doing and try to make them feel bad or something like I'm trying to go out of my way as much as I possibly can to, to love on others right now, friends, family, and complete strangers, because I have no right to blame things that I've been through for being a, a, a negative human being today. I, I think that is a waste of time to even wallow in the misery that my dad brought me because I, I'm so excited to be my own person now. Thank you so much for sharing that. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> No, think, it's a lot. <laughs> you no, know, but yeah, it's really important, I think, for people to hear it because especially with childhood traumas, whether you know it's a trauma or not, whether you think it's a trauma or not, I think a lot of people, like you said at the beginning, when you're a kid, you don't really know what's going on. Like you're just living through this moment and you don't know that this is like going to impact you or what's happening is like pretty fucked up or anything like that. You're just like admiring the people around you or, or not and going through the motions of what life is because that's kind of all you know. And it's so important to recognize that just because what you went through as a child may have been traumatic, it doesn't mean that you can't come through it, come to terms with it, realize it and be able to move on from that. Like it doesn't have to be your whole identity and your whole life. And I especially love how you also mentioned the positive things that you still were able to get from your childhood that kind of brought you to this point. And it's almost like if you hadn't had that father, then you might not have gotten into music the way that you did. And you might not be able to share this message the way that you are right now and impacting so many other people. So thank you for sharing that part of your story. I think it's a choice to talk about your past in a positive light or a negative one. And I'm not belittling trauma at all. I think we all have experienced our own things. I just think it's a choice on how you choose to see it now. Because in, yeah. in reality, there's nothing we can do now. Um, it's shaped us. It does not define us. But it definitely, like you just said, it, it turned us into who we are today. Yeah. And, and uh, what do you want to do next? That's, that's it. Yeah. Asking yourself that determines everything. It's interesting too, with everything that you went through, I feel like right now the phrase like toxic masculinity and everything that's happening with the Me Too movement and things like that is so in our culture and kind of on the same topic of like words and phrases getting thrown around and misused. I feel like toxic masculinity is one of those things, but what's yes. your take on that? What's your take on how we can, as like a culture, shut that down as needed, identify it when it's actually happening and when it's not actually happening and, and make sure that we're all just doing the best we can to like be good humans. I think you just hit it on the head. It's that we all need to do the best we can. I am so grateful that certain things have, have come to light, whether it's the film industry, specifically the music industry, it's been horrifying, but at the same time, I'm really, really happy to, to see so much bravery because I mean, it's not just men that feel weak to, to open up about their feelings. There's so many women that, that, that have felt weak to, to share the truth behind certain stories because they felt like their careers would be ruined or, or, or relationships would crumble. And, and it's so inspiring to see, uh, you know, all genders make, make an effort, all of us, all races, all genders, like all of us speaking up. And the truth is, uh, I think I should speak about my personal experiences and what I'm educated with. But other than that, I think my job in society is to listen. My job is to not go on Facebook and <laughs> argue about politics when I'm clearly not as educated enough to, to even speak on certain things like that. My job is to listen and be a sponge and learn. My job is not to argue 
anything revolving toxic masculinity. My, if you ask me questions, I will happily tell you my personal experiences. But I, like I said, I just think I, I want to be more of a sounding board. If somebody's struggling with something that they've experienced revolving any of what we're talking about right now, I just want to be able to lend a helping hand by just not talking at all. Because I think that we all talk a little bit too much. I and, totally and, agree. Yeah, we all, we're suddenly all politicians. And we're, we, yeah. and the truth. There's yeah. so much fighting that's happening, especially on social media. Like, it doesn't serve us to get, dive, to dive deep into Facebook threads and just like get taken <laughs> away by, or going back great. to someone. Like, you're not actually <laughs> listening during those things, you know? Nobody's actually learning. It's just a waste of time, in my personal opinion. I 100% agree. And uh, it's tough because my job is to utilize social media every day, but also weed through it all because I don't want to get caught up in things that bring me so much anxiety when it comes to those arguments. But you were asking about toxic masculinity. And I think that um, I think there are, there are a lot of really good people out there that, that are conditioned to not be good people. Uh, like in my case, I was literally exposed to adultery drug addiction uh sex addiction and alcoholism that's kind of i don't want to say that's all i know but it, it's i was exposed to that frequently and uh there are some conversations i have where i'm told oh, wow i'm surprised you're not like doing drugs in, in, in arizona or something and, and i'm always thinking like man uh, that's so weird to hear because yeah obviously my dad um and what happened it inspires me to one not leave LA because I think that running away from your problems does not solve a, a single damn thing. But uh, I, I think it's a choice to mess around with with certain drugs. If it, whatever you believe, if it's genetic and addiction runs in the family, then sure, totally. But I, because of what I've seen, I don't even know if I ever want to put myself in a position where I could end up like him because it's it ruins relationships. But when it comes to uh, you know, sexism and, and the way you see a woman when you're married to her and all this stuff. I, I really do think um, it's important to, to witness this firsthand um, because it's taught me so many lessons. I, I just want to be the most respectable human being. And in the music industry, I want to work with women just as much as I want to work with men. I don't even, I don't even care. I, I just want to work with as many people as I possibly can and respect them all. And uh, I love, like I said, listening. There are so many women in my life that, that uh, have, have traumatizing experiences. And I love just being able to be there to hear it because I, pe I feel like we all just want to be heard. And a lot of us don't feel like we can be heard. And so it's the most amazing thing for me to just acknowledge. I, I shouldn't ever, I don't have the right to understand what that's like as a woman in the music industry as a woman walking down the street, not in the music industry, just trying to get home. Like I, I will never get that. And that's okay. It's not my, I'm not supposed to, I'm supposed to just respect all of this and, and learn from it all and try my absolute best to love on others the best way I can. Uh, you know, like I said, that's, that's super cheesy, but I, I think it's as simple as that. Yeah. Just loving on others and listening. I don't think it's cheesy. I think it's like what we all should be doing, but we're just now moving into this new phase where we're able to kind of talk about it like that and just be honest about it. And obviously all of these things tie together, whether it's sexual harassment, childhood trauma, trauma in general, and mental health, it all ties together. And I, I really love 
your point about listening because I think whether you have a traumatic experience that you want to share or whether you just have an opinion about politics or music or anything, we all need to just listen more. So many times I think that many of us think we need to take on a role of like the advisor or like <laughs> the therapist if you're not one and try to make people try to work people through their problems and give them advice and do all of this stuff when most of the time all you need to be is a good listener and just like hold space for that person to share whatever they need to share and let them know it's okay but not feel the need to come back with like well here's what you should do and here's my advice and here's this or that because sometimes that's not really what people need. They just need to know that somebody is listening. So we can all take away from that and hopefully practice listening a little bit more <laughs> after listening to this episode. So I want to dive a little deeper into how you cope now on a regular basis. Obviously, like we all know, mental health is not something that just like you figure it out and you're done. It's a daily struggle. It's a daily practice to, to find coping mechanisms that work and make sure that you are doing things to help be healthy, both in mind and body. So what are things that have helped you the most with coping? Well, first off, I, I really have a hard time with these months. Mental Health Awareness Month is, first off, incredible. Uh, you know, these months are, make us able to, to really be willing to talk about things so much more than we usually do. But the truth is, it's every month <laughs> for me, whether if we're talking about mental health conditions, it doesn't go away. Like you said, that, I mean, some people have seasonal issues that flare up because of whatever, or, or some people live for the rest of their entire lives with something and never fully learn how to cope with it. And the, and the truth is, I, that's all I want to do is promote the idea of it's okay if this never goes away. Uh, it's, there's, no way, there's no cure technically for autism right now. There's, there's no cure for a lot of these things. It's acceptance, right? So with coping, the best thing for me lately has been being aware. So if I am experiencing a flare-up, uh, and I can describe what how flare-ups are for me. Yeah, but, please uh, do. That would be great. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, but when I'm experiencing one, I, I'm trying to be less hard on myself. Because it's one thing to be on a stage and, and explain the idea of, we can't control this. It's okay. But that's another thing to act on that, right? So my biggest fear <laughs> has always been being a hypocrite because I want to live the life that I'm trying to talk about. And I, and I hate giving advice. I hate it because I know it makes people feel like they're not smart. And, it, and, and I think that's the worst thing I could do. Now there's insight. So if somebody, if a kid after a presentation at a high school asks for insight on what they should do in terms of talking to a professional that they can take advantage of at school. Absolutely. I will give that kind of advice in terms of how you can give help, get help. Sorry. But when it comes to medication or, or advice like that, like, like I said, I'm not a trained professional. I would recommend talking to a family. Yeah. If you're not comfortable with family, I certainly wasn't. Then there are friends. There are other, there are other alternatives. Coping as an adult for me, like I said, is accepting what is happening right now, not hating it telling myself it will dissipate, it will go away, and just don't hate yourself for having this happen right now. What do you need to do right now to, to help you? And for me, I, I see every movie that comes out, every single one. I'm, I'm probably going to see Toy Story 4 in a couple hours and cry my eyes out. And, <laughs> but the truth is, um, 
it's finding those therapeutic things that, that make all the difference. If it's not actual therapy, it's probably something else. If it's listening to music, if it's playing it, if it's seeing a movie, I see movies because I know I'm never, I don't want to be a director. I want to appreciate the art of directors and how hard people work to make a film happen because it is, it is exactly that. It's a form of art and you can put your phone down for two and a half hours and really shut your brain off. And for me, I mean, my dad used to take me to every movie. That's probably why I'm so passionate about it. And I love that. I love that I know exactly what I need to do when I'm having a hard time. Because otherwise, we don't learn. We don't grow. We have these flare-ups, and we hate ourselves more because we don't get why they happen. And the truth is, I mean, I'll never get why they happen. So what, what am I going to do? I'm going to be proactive. What can I do moving forward? It's, it's really asking myself that question that, that truly helps me. Yes. And I think that, like you said, being proactive is major because otherwise we, we come into these flare ups and much, first of all, probably much easier because we're not taking care of ourselves in the first place and like preventing them as best we can. And then when we get to that point, sometimes it can just be so dark and so feeling like we're just so stuck that we can't move out of it, that it makes it that much harder to get back to any sense of normalcy. So having that, like those preventative habits and things that you like to do that just like bring you joy and bring you some peace and calmness, I think are major. If you don't mind sharing, I would love to hear a little bit about what your flare-ups actually look like because I think it would be helpful for people who either are unfamiliar what this might look like or are actually going through a similar thing and might listen to this and relate with what you go through. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's really challenging sometimes. I I mean, so you can understand what I do for a living. It's 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 it goes against what I struggle with entirely every single day. Uh, I have meetings and uh, I'm, I have to talk to people every single day and I'm learning to love that because every, every building block really does support my career and the moving parts and the snowball effect, of course. But the truth is I, for some reason in the first half of every day have a really hard time looking into people's eyes and so if it's, for example, if it's like a, a one-on-one coffee meeting at 6.45 a.m. at a coffee shop or something, uh, I, I don't know which eye to look at. I don't, I don't know how to really process a face and feel comfortable with that face looking at me. And I'm overanalyzing entirely. And you know what happens? It's really weird. Throughout the day, I get more comfortable. Sometimes I lean on caffeine to help me. For some reason, it gives a lot of people anxiety. For some reason, for me... It brings me comfort because I strive to be the hardest working person I know. And sometimes I can't sleep. And yeah, you know, coffee helps a lot. But with this one trait, this one uh, quirk that I have, coffee really helps. And, and I don't know why that happens. I don't know why the first half of a day, sometimes the entire day is so hard for me to make eye contact with somebody. And the hardest part is that no one will, under, no one will know. So in a way without putting myself down, it feels like I'm putting on a face. It feels like I'm a liar. I'm sitting here trying to pitch my entire career to further it in the morning. And I feel like my head is going to explode. For me, the biggest flare up is noise. It's the, the deafening noise that doesn't exist. The, the quiet of my mind and, and it never shuts off. I don't have trouble sleeping. I have trouble when I'm awake and, and trying to, get through every single thing on my list of the things I need to do. I'm very proactive. I, I have a million things I want to accomplish every day. 
And it's really tough to multitask because everything in my life is multitasking. Even if it's one task, it's the balance of doing that one task and also trying to quiet my mind. There's always at least two or more things I have to do at any given moment. That affects relationships in a romantic sense. That affects family relationships. It, it affects friends. It, I, it makes me want to stay home because I don't want to be a burden on people. And uh, I would say that that is the hardest thing I struggle with is, is truly connecting with people in person. And, and you know what's funny is I, I know I do a great job because I've conditioned myself to learn that, that no one can tell. And that's the hardest thing in the world. And I'm also super grateful for that because no one is meant to understand what I'm going through. And neither am I, truly. And uh, God, I used to have this terrible flare up when I played a gig, no matter what kind of gig it was, let's say a 35 minute set, 40 minute set. The, the thing you do after that is you jump off stage and you connect with people. For me, I needed, desperately needed 15 to 20 minutes alone in my car, complete silence. I'm weird like that. Sometimes driving in complete silence is the most therapeutic thing. And this is really, ah, man, it's really affected my ability to uh, be comfortable networking because there's this is 80% business and 20% music. And I can, I can write a goddamn amazing email. I can make the most incredible email because like I said, you can curate it. You can make that Instagram caption so good after spending 25 minutes on it. Yeah. But <laughs> like this right here, this is live. Yeah. This is my absolute nightmare. And I'm so excited to challenge myself. And it's because, the morning. <laughs> and it's the, oh my God, I, I basically can't even speak. It sounds like I'm a chain smoker right now, but <laughs> look, this is the best example. To, to give you an idea of what my brain is like. Right now, this is the worst thing in the world, <laughs> but that doesn't matter yeah. because it, accepting that and how that's never going to change is the best thing because you can grow, you can learn how to be more eloquent and, and uh, your verbiage can be more just grammatically correct or <laughs> whether it's online or, and, and I just wanna be as welcoming as I can instead of hating myself because then I'll never jump on a podcast. I'll never speak for a few minutes during my set and try to cultivate something that, that is of value that could help the guy in the back of the room that is having a really rough night. I want to challenge myself. There are 20 to 25 things I could share with you right now that flare me up, yeah. but it's, it's really all the same. It's the same thing in the end. It's, it's how, how you choose to deal with it. And, and I really love that I can tell you that and you're okay with that. For me to tell you, that this is the worst thing, <laughs> but I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm enjoying this because I'm welcoming the challenge. I'm actually having an incredibly engaging conversation with you that I think is way more important than, so like, tell me what gigs you've done the past year. Tell me, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I'm so grateful you want to have this real conversation and I will do anything I possibly can to, to take part in it, regardless of how difficult that is. Well, I am so grateful that you are talking to me right now because I know that all of my listeners are going to really appreciate this conversation. And <laughs> I want to talk about your music, but before I do, I actually want no, to- No, no, no. <laughs> this isn't about that. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> um, before I do, I actually want to ask you something that you mentioned in that, which is not hating yourself for that. And 
I think a lot of people, no matter what stage of mental health, or even if it's not really mental health, but they just struggle with liking themselves or not, or beating themselves up about every little thing that happens and really harping on things and not being able to exhibit self-love, basically. This is something that I think can be really, really hard for people. So do you have any insight on how people who are struggling with this can can move forward and, you know, like exercises or habits or anything to allow them to give themselves some grace and learn how to love themselves a little bit more and not practice that hatred every day? Yeah, absolutely. I think there are two stages. And I think the first stage is, this is going to sound crazy, letting yourself hate yourself for a bit. And what I mean by that is, is not hating what you can't control. If you hate yourself today, you can, you can restart your day at any time. Sure. 9 PM, you can restart it, but also reassuring yourself that there is going to be a tomorrow and you can start over. And right now you hate yourself. And if you try and battle these feelings, you're going to hate yourself more. If you try and shove them away, throw them in a locked box and down a lake and let it just never address it. I really do think that piles up. And the best thing for me personally is I hate myself a lot still. Like it's, you can't control what you can't control. And like I said, in the moment, it's, you know, taking three deep breaths, doing that mindfulness exercise, whether that's listening to a meditation podcast or um, anything, whatever is mindfulness exercises to the person listening to this or for me. And it's like I said, it's, it's not hating yourself for hating yourself. <laughs> and it's, it's been the most amazing little life hack for me is, is accepting I am having a shitty day right now and that's okay. I, I can't feel like a disappointment for that because that will just not let me get out of this mindset. I'm going to welcome this. It's going to be okay. Like I said, take action. What do I need to do right now? But I'm not going to, I need to validate these feelings. If I hate myself right now, let me validate myself because like I said in the beginning of talking to you, we can't rely on anybody. Some people we can, but the truth is we can really truly 100% only rely on ourselves. So letting yourself have that, I mean, it's a roller coaster. Any struggle with mental health condition is going to feel like a roller coaster. So letting yourself be at the bottom can only help you get back to the top. And uh, when it comes to exercises to not hate one's oneself, uh, other than that, I I really I, I try to write words down, um, anything, not even songwriting. Just take a journal out and and um, try and describe how this feels, and and document it, and not be worried about if it's if it's dark. Um, some of the saddest music, for example saves lives and some of the most uplifting music also does it, uh, uh, just being able to like I said validate how you feel right now what is the best way that you can actually do that because not a lot of people like staring at themselves in the mirror it, it sounds like a dumb task to, to look at yourself and say I am worthy I get that and I will never promote that because I will never give advice like that because it doesn't work for a lot of people. I think the most important thing I could say is that every brain is different and every brain 
is consistently developing. I think they say until 25, your brain is just so <laughs> sporadic and, and it doesn't know what it wants to be yet. And disorders actually fluctuate and they change and all this stuff. And wh whatever it is to oneself, whatever that is to validate oneself is, is all that matters. And for yeah. me, sometimes it can be, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to distract myself. And you know what? I'm not going to be hard on myself that I'm burying myself in my work. I don't have the luxury of taking breaks right now. I, I need to work as hard as I possibly can to make all of this work. And that's what separates me from my father is that I don't bury myself in my work and shut people out. I'm, I am very passionate about what I do and I'm going to do whatever it takes to continue doing it full time for the rest of my life. But I still work on surrounding myself with people that love me and reaching out. And that's the last thing I could say is there is somebody out there that gets it. And if, if you don't think there is, then you need to open up more because we all need to open up more. I actually went one time to a support group for autism and it was the hardest thing to own up to that. It was like a coffee bean in Culver city. <laughs> and It said 13 people were attending and one guy showed up and he was like 60 <laughs> and we sat there and I just asked questions because every person on the spectrum I mean, that's why the symbol is a puzzle piece. I got this tattoo right here. That doesn't matter for whoever's listening because you'll never see it. But um, <laughs> post it on Instagram when the episode. Dear God, <laughs> I'll post it immediately. Just let me know. <laughs> um, the puzzle piece is the symbol for autism because every person is different from one another. And we can all take from that because that's the truth about all mental health conditions. And I think that the best thing I could have done is not talk about me and my struggles and ask questions. And I, I, I got to know so much about a complete stranger for two and a half hours. And it was surprisingly the most therapeutic thing I've ever done. Yeah, that's, wow, that's amazing. I, I have to say too, like the whole time you were talking, I was thinking about all the parallels with the last time that this actually happened to me. And I personally don't really struggle too much with like negative self-talk and things like that. But the last time it happened was a couple months ago and I was taking a food sensitivity test and because of the, I was taking it, I had to eat basically just like all types of food, including foods that I was kind of sensitive to. And so I was like a hot mess, very inflamed, very emotional for the test. You have to like prick your finger. And I literally could not get blood out of my finger, like, and not oh enough God. to fill up the card. So I'm like on the floor in tears trying to get blood out of my fingers oh my god this card and then like <laughs> my parents are like because i was with my parents like in there in the living room and they're like just like do this do this and i'm just like it's not gonna work i can't get a new test and i, I literally ended up like on my bedroom floor just crying in hysterics like i am the worst person ever why is my finger not bleeding enough why didn't i do this better and it's like <laughs> i had to just <laughs> And there's like three parts to this that you mentioned. The first part is like, I had to just like not beat myself up for having this moment and just being like, I'm just going to have a moment right now. And then I'm going to move <laughs> on from it. And it's fine. Like, I'm just going to cry this out and then we're all going to be okay. And then the second part of it too, is that my dad was just went to CVS and got more Lancets. Cause that was the thing. They didn't, they only give you like two prickers. And I was like, this is not enough. Like I can't, I can't get enough blood for this. So he got me a whole pack of Lancets and then sat with me in the bathroom, pricking 
all of my fingers until I could oh, get no. blood. And I, oh no, like that whole experience was like very intense, but also it's just give yourself the grace. If you're going through something, like if you need to beat yourself up for a second, do it and then move on and do what you have to do to move on from it and rely <laughs> on the people around you, surround yourself with people who love you so that when like what I needed wasn't someone to be like, no, here's what you need to do. I needed someone to just be like, I'm going to go buy more finger pricky things so that you can get all the blood out. And <laughs> we'll do it. Um, so that's just a fun story <laughs> that I was thinking of the whole time you were talking. And I'm like, yeah, when I asked the question, I wasn't really thinking I needed this, but it really spoke true to me. And in the end, you will get blood out. Yeah, that's the moral of the story. Yes. In, in the it's, end, the blood will come and you will know what you are No, but that's, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing, by the way. Um, the, you gave yourself that moment, right? You sat on your bed and you were like, you know what? This, is, this too shall pass, right? And, and that's, that's yeah. amazing. And it takes a lot to be able to step out of the current predicament. And especially when it involves that. I know people hate needles and people... Uh, hate stuff like that with with going to the doctor and stuff and it's the worst thing i hate flu shots <laughs> oh my god I, yeah i don't even, I, I don't even care about the needles but i was just like i need to take this test like if i don't take it there was so many factors in that that i was just like this is going to be a hot mess if i don't do this test right it's just going to cost me so much extra time and money i don't want to go through that <laughs> and it all worked out but i get like in the moment when something like that is happening it's really hard to separate what you're feeling about yourself from like what you actually need to do to rectify the situation. And so sometimes it's, I, it's just driving that point home that like, it's okay to take a moment to like deal with your emotions and feel your emotions before you decide how you're going to move forward from it. Like you can't just try to move forward while feeling like a hot mess all the time, because you'll probably just not be able to do it. First of all, or even if you can't do it, you'll not do it in the best way possible and you'll make mistakes and then you may feel even shittier. So like, take a moment. <laughs> That's so important. Something we can all work on, right? Totally. So, okay, let's move into your music a little bit. Tell us about what's going on for you right now. Tell us about what you're working on, where we can find you, what's coming up and what's exciting. Oh man, this year has been absolute insanity. I, I think, uh, I really love instead of talking about like the opportunities, I, I really love how my my perspective has shifted. Uh, you, you were talking to Jeremy, right, through email. He's my general manager. Uh, yeah. I also have Andrew, uh, who who helps manage me as well. And like the two of them are are <laughs> insane and so incredible. And and so the reason I'm assuming why they catered towards wanting to manage me as of last year, like a year ago in this time is that they, they could see how hard I work yeah, inside the music and also outside of it. Because as a singer-songwriter that is unsigned, 2018 Dylan needed to understand that there is so much more you need to do than just play shows in LA. I self-booked tours. I sent probably 175 emails to the United Kingdom and a bunch of venues in it. And I booked an 11-day tour Sure, a lot of them were coffee shops and, and small little bars and venues, but 11 nights in a row. And I bought myself a plane ticket and I lost money and I had the time of my life, even though it was a blizzard and I had the worst flu of all time and I literally almost died. What an amazing 
<laughs> what an amazing memory. Such an optimist. I love it. Dear God. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. almost died, and it was the best. <laughs> I mean, the, the, <laughs> the guy that I stayed with live-streamed his sleep to see if demons could come out. It was straight up like paranormal activity. And anyways, I survived. I, I literally almost died, and I survived. <laughs> and I look back on that. Uh, I, think, I think that was like March 2018. And I'm so proud of myself to have done that alone. I, I did that entire thing because I, I just thought, you know, if nobody else is going to do this for me right now, I'll, sure, I'll get a booking agent in the future. Right now, I don't have one. And at that time, I just thought, screw it, I'm going to do it. I bought the plane ticket first before booking anything. And I spent whatever, seven, $800 first. And what that does is that really gives you incentive to figure this out because this is non-refundable Spirit Airlines. Your guitar is going to get smashed under the plane, plane ticket. Like 100% chance of you, your instrument getting exploded. Underneath. And uh, I, somehow it survived and I went out there. But moving forward, I met Jay and Andrew and I got way, way closer with my guitarist, Kirk, and my drummer, Ben, because Kirk is also doing all my graphic design. So he's a man of many talents. Ben is my mixing engineer and producer. And so we all wear different hats and we needed the last couple of years to happen to now become a heart, like just a machine of a family. And now having Jeremy and Andrew on board, we, it's like we all just did cocaine all the time. That's how we treat the business is that we're literally nonstop. And, and, and yeah, we don't take care of ourselves sometimes with sleep. Uh, me specifically, but I think as a as an artist, you should not expect to be able to relax when you have management. You should work harder, not to prove to them that you're worth something, but but just like we're a family, we're all in bed together. Basically, we all need to work as hard as we possibly can because this is going to work someday. And so, things have been incredible. I mean, so many incredible opportunities. I opened up for One Republic last year, and by doing that this random guy in the audience happened to be the owner of a festival called the lights fest. It's nationwide. I have done a dozen of those now. And every time I perform in front of five to 10,000 strangers that have never met me and I'm able to really promote my music and hack the Spotify algorithm by getting, getting new fans every night. And <laughs> I've, I've been able to just really take a step back and look at the snowball effect that has happened from my hard work. Cause it is important to validate myself. And also from all the hard work of the people around me that want nothing but for me to succeed because we will all succeed together. I get, I'm a solo artist. I go by Dylan Dunlap, hashtag shameless self-promotion. Check it out online. <laughs> I like but, at the end of the podcast, you're like, oh, I should promote myself like as a whole hour. <laughs> <laughs> you can check out my death metal band on, on MySpace if you want that link. Just DM me on LinkedIn. So... I think that it's not just me though. And that's my favorite thing to talk about. We're a yeah. family. Yeah. Uh, it is my name, but I, I am so grateful to have these guys. We have such a cool next few months ahead, you know, with a New York trip playing at the Smithsonian museum. I don't even understand what that means. And I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, more of those lights fests. Finally, for the first time I'm finishing an EP. It's taken probably a year and a half to two years to really be able to experience enough life to have things to write about. And yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm in this top 40 pop lane, but the lyrics that I've been able to write alone, I've been able to write with Ben and I've been able to write with Ben and Kirk. Um, they are so transparent and I could not be prouder to be able to talk about things that I think are not talked about enough 
there's the first song on this EP. I've never really talked about this. It's called The Weight. And uh, like I said, the EP's coming probably September. Um, it, it entirely talks about hating yourself in a relationship. And instead of like the typical, there's a victim and a villain in a relationship, whether that's romantic or anything else. I am my own villain in this song. And I am being loved so much by somebody, but I don't love myself. And that really does prevent relationships from thriving. And I love that I can find the words to talk about that and make it really fun to listen to at the same time. It doesn't have to be a sell your soul to make a, a really good pop hit. I, I love this lane that I have cultivated for myself and that I have six songs coming out that I, I feel like you truly get to know the inside of my head. And I'm really excited to share that because I know there's at least one person out there that will be grateful to to know that they're not alone through that project. Do you have a date for the EP yet or do we just need to follow you on socials instead? <laughs> I will say there is a song in July on the 12th. There's a song on the 12th of July. I don't know why I said it like that. Uh, yeah, the EP is... You have to keep it kind of s- spooky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody loves a mystery, right? Yes. Maybe more music. Who knows what's going to happen? Okay, so... Good stuff coming. <laughs> Where can we follow you so that we don't miss a thing? The nearest Chipotle that you are closest to. <laughs> that I honestly think uh, I'm going to have an amazing sponsorship by them someday. You can find me ordering a burrito bowl with chicken or steak, depending on how fresh the meat is. That's where you can find me, ordering a bowl and eating it every day. And online, you can go, just search I am Dylan Dunlap. I just want to say, I like that you really specified depending how fresh the meat is. Because Are I've had me? about some bad experiences from Chipotle. And so I'm skeptical. <laughs> Take your time. Look at what's in front of you and choose wisely. <laughs> and yes, music. Hey, Spotify, search Dylan Dunlap. <laughs> Social media. If anybody wants to talk about Chipotle, feel free to reach out <laughs> or anything else. Thank you so much, Dylan, for being on today. This was such an amazing conversation. Everyone, go follow Dylan. Let us both know what your biggest takeaway from this episode was. And then keep up with him and listen to all of his new music that is coming soon. Thank you again, Dylan. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much, Katie.